My task is to carry on in our theme. If you've not been here, we've been looking at the Beatitudes. And um, I've got my wife's watch here to keep me on track. Michael Eaton says, The Sermon on the Mount begins with benedictions and not maledictions, blessings, not curses. As soon as Jesus opens his mouth to speak, he's pouring out words of blessing. Wow, that was one of our readings this morning, wasn't it? He does not open his mouth to accuse or to criticize. He simply describes the pathway of blessing. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. And so we are... Did you see the blessings over there? Blessed, 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 blessed. Wow. I mean, we are enormously and spectacularly blessed as disciples of Jesus Christ. We are happy and to be envied. That's, that's what this word means. Happy and to be envied above all creatures on the, on the face of this planet. But the world views this characteristic that we're looking at called meekness with disdain, with completely a completely different viewpoint to what we do as, as Christians. The world, in fact, views meekness as sheer stupidity. Matthew, in Matthew's day, it was not any different, was it? Because they rejected their Messiah on this very basis. And you can imagine how shocked they were. He writes primarily to Jewish, a Jewish audience, and if they heard it or read it, they probably were shocked to hear that Jesus said, the meek, verse 5, will inherit the earth. The meek will inherit the earth. They were expecting a materialistic, they were expecting a military a king, and they were expecting him to lead them to victory. They were expecting a powerful, strong, dynamic aggressive leader, and then they are told the meek will inherit the earth. What foolishness. I mean, what, what craziness. I mean, no war has ever been won in, in that way. No territory has ever been gained in that way. And the world today despises meekness. It's not something to be sought after or to be aspired to or to be applauded. The strong, the assertive, the super rich, the super movers and shakers, the super aggressors, aggressives are those that take the world and those who are viewed in high esteem. And it doesn't matter how you get to the top either. It doesn't matter how many you, you know, kick and kill and, and push down in, in the process of getting to the top. Artie Kendall says, have you ever seen 
a meek politician get to the top of his game. And um, political elections are won by aggressive people, by people who talk themselves up and talk their opponents down. They tell how great they are, and they tell how terrible their opponent is. And that's how they get to the top. We think of the election in, in America, and we see how, how that, that, that worked out in that way. <clears throat> the most powerful man in the world, running the most powerful country in the world, got there by sheer aggression. By sheer aggression. And the world applauds that, but not God and not Jesus Christ. Sheer stupidity, but God views meekness with great importance. 2 Corinthians 5.17, you know so well, says if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. It's a new kingdom. It's a new Lord. It's a new master over us. And so we need to walk away from our self-centeredness. We need to walk away from grabbing and biting and kicking and screaming. And we need to walk towards him. If we have come to truly accept our poverty before God, that we're absolutely poor before him. We're poverty stricken. And as we have mourned our sinfulness, and as we continue to mourn that sinfulness, we will grow. We will grow in meekness. There's no doubt about it. And Jesus modeled that meekness and expects each and every one of his children to do the same. D.A. Costens writes, Scriptures make much of meekness, and so it is more appalling that meekness does not characterize more of us who claim to be Christians. We find it absent in the world, and hopefully we won't find it absent in our lives and in our church. It's so important that we really need to knuckle down and to find out what it's all about so that we can pursue it. The Greek word praos means gentle, it means humble, it means considerate, it means courageous. The world despises meekness. Why? Why? Because they view meekness as weakness. And meekness is not weakness. In fact, it's just the opposite. Artie Kendall says, in negative terms, meekness is the opposite of arrogance, self-righteousness, smugness, and defensiveness. In positive terms, he says, it's being unpretentious, gentle, self-effacing. It's not a natural quality. We know a lot of non-Christians who are very nice people, don't we? They're very gentle until their buttons are pushed. But, you know, we also find nice dogs and nice cats. And this is not, not what he's talking about. He's not talking about normally, naturally nice, nice people. You know, he's not saying, hey, you must become nice people. It's, it goes deeper and further than that. It's not normal. It's not a natural quality. It's a supernatural quality. It's a quality that God gives us. As we accept Jesus in our lives, we accept the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit does that supernaturally in our lives. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. There's the word again, prowess, gentleness, self-control. We can never make excuses that um, we, can, we can never be meek because, you know, we've inherited this personality from, from our parents. 
that predisposes us against meekness. I've come across people who've said that in counseling situations over the years. Well, my parents are like that. What do you expect? <laughs> no, we expect Christ to form his character in our lives. That's what he expects. That's what he expects. And we glorify him as we do that. And so let us unpack the meaning of meekness in more in practical terms. It's having a right attitude towards God and, and about ourselves in relation to God. And so that impacts upon our relationship with, with other people. We know that we are saved by grace, right? He's removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. But we're not perfect. Is there any perfect person over here? In Switzerland, there was a preacher, and he said, I haven't sinned for two and a half years. Rubbish. 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 And his wife was sitting there, and she didn't even jump up and down. It's like, what's going on here? And so we realize that we, we've, we, we'll never be perfect this side of glory. And we always have to confess our faults and our shortcomings to God, Right? But we, don't you find that it's easier to confess your shortcomings to God rather than have somebody else saying, um, there's a weakness over here. We'd rather condemn ourselves rather than have somebody else condemn us. Or is it just me? It's far easier. I was a, a young teacher in the Baptist Church in Queenstown. I was running in the youth, and we were in, at a youth camp and um, playing soccer, and I enjoy sports, and I go a little overboard when, when we have sports. And um, our pastor, who was just a couple of years older than me, came to me at, at, after a while, and he said, Pierre, you're showing off. Stop it. Man. Mm. And I felt this meekness creeping up. <laughs> no, it wasn't meekness. And I wanted to defend myself. You know, I wanted to justify myself. And the Lord convicted me and said, he's right. He's right. It's like, oh, God, why didn't you tell me rather? And so I had to, I had to confess it as sin. But true meekness doesn't go on the defensive. It doesn't. Meekness implies a teachable spirit, does it not? Proverbs 9, verses 7 and 8. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. <clears throat> Just to say that we were best of friends, Errol and myself, I was his best man at his wedding after that, can you believe? <clears throat> and he... Tied the knot for, for Elaine and myself. Give instructions to a wise man and he will be wiser still. How defensive are we when a spouse, a colleague at work, a friend, a small group leader, a counselor points out a weakness? How, def how defensive do we get? I think a lot of marriages would not break up if there was more meekness. Really. If there was more meekness. You know, we, we need to bring everything to God. 
When somebody says, hey, there's this little area of weakness in your life. Don't put up the defenses, but go to God rather. Go to God first and say, God, is this true? Especially when you're unjustly criticized. Still go to God because very often and usually there is a small element of truth in it. And even when somebody doesn't have your best interests at heart, still take it to the Lord. And still say, God, you know, this was Aina. What, what is going on here? That's, that's meekness. William Hendrickson maintains that meekness <clears throat> describes the person who is not resentful, bears no grudges, far from mulling over injuries received, he finds refuge in the Lord and commits his way entirely to him. It is submissiveness under provocation, the willingness rather to suffer than to inflict injury. We are talking about a very rare quality right over here, aren't we? I rarely, rarely see it in my own life. There are so many movies. Just grabbing something to drink. There are so many movies that are made about revenge. And you wonder why. Because that's the world's way of looking at things. Yeah, somebody kills somebody in your family and the law doesn't catch up with them, then you go and, you go and smack them. And, and if you've ever seen a movie on revenge, you get drawn in, you get sucked in, and you start saying to yourself, yeah, he deserves to go and smack the other guys, Right? And, and you, get, you begin to sympathize with them. But the Bible says, revenge is mine, says the Lord. It's not ours to, to dish out. For many Christians, meekness doesn't happen overnight. God uses the knocks. God uses the bruises. God uses the difficulties, the trials, and the testings to bring us to that place. Many Christians have never become truly meek because they've bought it the process, they've aborted the process before it's run its course. They persist in complaining and in claiming their own rights, being bitter, being self-righteous, not wanting to change, not wanting to move. We were in the Church of the Good Shepherd. There were six full-time guys, and um, we were asked to give a short testimony, three minutes. And this guy... He would, he would clock you three minutes and he'll pull your shirt. He would st stand behind these guys. And that, that was it. Take the, the mic away. But what can you say in three minutes? Anyway, so try to give a little bit before and a little after. <clears throat> One of the elders came to me afterwards, a retired CEO of, of, of Shell. And uh, he, he said to me, Pierre, yeah, he, had, uh, he was... Yeah, he was a student in Eton, I think. Yeah, um, I enjoyed your testimony, but I don't believe a word of it. And I laughed. And he said, I don't? I don't? It's like, what don't you believe? He said, why don't you believe it? He said, because I know you. It's like, I said to myself, gee, I'm, I'm glad that I didn't tell him more. If he didn't, he didn't believe that, boy, he was going to have problems with the rest. 
And I went away feeling rather hurt, rather confused. It's like, why would a man do that? It was like, believe your own testimony. <laughs> and the Lord said to me, as I took it to him in prayer, don't take it as a negative, but take it as a positive. Because he's seeing my grace in your life. Because of all the trials and tests and tribulations that have taken you through, it's me that is seeing. It's my grace that is seeing. It's my glory that he's seeing. And you know that, just, just put it to rest. And I said, oh God, thank you. Thank, thank you so much. God needs his time to work in our lives to perform his wonders. Book of James in chapter 1 in particular is very important and it is a summary or an interpretation of the Sermon on the Mount, especially in the area of trials and tribulations. It produces maturity, verse 4 says. And part of that maturity is meekness. It's meekness. And so the child of God does not assert himself. He does not make demands. He does not claim privileges for himself because of his position, because of his status. And Jesus is our prime example, is he not? He came from glory. He was God who came from glory and lived on this planet. And he was meek and, and, and lowly. He, he didn't say, roll out the red carpet. He didn't expect people to bow down and worship him. He didn't expect to be born in a five-star hospital or live in a five-star hotel. He didn't expect limousines to, to cart him around. He was a lowly servant. And I've known pastors throughout the world who've told their people how blessed they would become if they gave them money for their holidays and for cars and to put money in their bank, to shower them with gifts as pastors. How shocking. How shocking is that? Using their position to squeeze money out of, out of people. Jesus never did that. Luke chapter 4 and verse 11 says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. If you've been humbled, friend, don't worry about it because God will will exalt you. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, the meek person never pities himself. He never thinks how wonderful I really am if other people only see it or other people give me a chance. The person who is truly meek is the one who is amazed that God and man can think of him as well as they do and treat him as well as they do. That, it seems to me, is the essential quality of meekness. Aren't we amazed that God views us as the apple of his eye. He knows the worst of us. And he still loves us. The apple of his eye. And when, when people say some nice things about us sometimes, and we think, really? That, that can't be me. Are, are you talking about somebody else? I don't deserve that. And so it's having a right attitude towards God. It's having a right attitude towards man. So let's quickly look at some examples of meekness in Scripture. Jesus, again, is our great example, and he rightly and correctly claims to be meek. I'm meek and lowly in heart, Matthew chapter 11 and verse 29. He's meek and lonely in heart because he humbled himself, became a man, 
and was willing to suffer for our sins, be put on the cross for our sins. Something that he, he, never, he never did, he never sinned. That's meekness. That's meekness. And the world's take on meekness as weak, weakness is, is thrown out completely when we look at the life of Jesus, is it not? Because he was the meekest person that ever lived on this earth, and yet he was the strongest person that ever lived on this earth. Weakness and meekness are not far apart. They, they hand in glove. He was the perfect person. He was perfectly sane. There's some degree of insanity in each of us because of sin in our lives. That's what Bamaf says. The perfect man, the perfectly sane man, was the meekest man on the planet. And yet he was the greatest man that ever lived. The greatest man that ever lived. Do you want to become strong? Then be prepared to become weak. We can never become strong in our faith and in our living without becoming meek without allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, to give us strength, equipment, power, ability to fight the, the good fight of faith. Moses was also called the meekest man on earth that was before Jesus came. And you know the story of Moses. Here was this Hebrew boy who uh, was brought in from the bulrushes and brought into Pharaoh's courts, and he grew up and uh, he had a, a bright future, bright prospects. He had the world at his feet, power and prestige, everything. And he turned his back on that. Why? To serve the purposes of, of God. And then he led the Israelites out of captivity. And the nation turned against him. The whole nation turned against him. How about that? And God said, I'm going to wipe these people out. And what did he do? Moses came to God and said, oh, please, God, please, God, don't do this. Show your mercy. That's meekness. That's meekness. When we pray, God's blessing upon our enemies. I wonder how often we do that. Someone who's deeply hurt you and say, Lord, bless them. You know what you're praying? You're praying them into the kingdom of God, Right? You're praying that they have a right attitude towards God. You're praying that they would be productive in God. That's what you're praying, you know. Not at your expense, but for God's glory. Abraham showed meekness, did he not, to his nephew Lot. And they were squabbling amongst the, the servants. And uh, he said, no, this is not good. We need to divide up the land. If you go left, I'll go right. You go north, I'll go south. You... You have first choice. The younger man was given first choice. Can you believe that? He chose this wonderful portion of land. And Abram was not fazed by that. That's meekness. He let it go. King David showed mercy when he could have killed King Saul in that cave. That's meekness. And many other things in his life showed meekness. Jeremiah, Stephen, Paul... Others are wonderful examples of meekness. And down the centuries, martyrs have shown meekness and they've shown great strength of character, have they not, by going 
to their deaths, singing and praising God, joyful in many instances. What a wonderful testimony. The growth of the church is through the blood of the martyrs. Multitudes have come to salvation through these men who were meek, but they were also strong. They were strong in God. Strength of character. Then lastly and quickly, number five, the results of meekness. They shall inherit the earth. The meek shall inherit the earth. Did we hear that, people? Who are they? We shall inherit the earth. One would have just expected the opposite to hear. The rough and the tough, are the, the aggressive will trample the lowly and, you know, they'll get ahead in life. Don't they seem to get ahead in life normally? There was a funeral and the billionaire died and he was agnostic. And the lady said to the person next door, how much did he leave? The lady said, everything, everything. That's what we're going to leave, everything. And what we're going to gain for the non-Christians, they're not going to gain anything. They're not going to inherit anything. If you're here and you're not a Christ follower, there's nothing to look forward to in the, in the hereafter. In fact, there's suffering, there's separation from God. But for the Christians, we will inherit everything. We'll inherit the life uh, of, of God in perfection. No more tears, no more crying, no more pain, no more heartache. The old order is going to disappear. And so we're not just going to inherit a castle, an island, a piece of land, a farm. We're going to inherit the whole earth. That's what it says here. We'll inherit the earth. Everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to us as, as well. A new heaven and a new earth. D.A. Carstens quotes, 50 billion trillion years into eternity. If I may speak of eternity in terms of time, God's people will be rejoicing that this beatitude is literally true. In a new heaven and a new earth, they will be grateful that by grace they learn to be meek during their initial threescore years and ten. How about that? How about that? Let's not look back and say, wow, I blurred her. I didn't, demanded my rights. I didn't let things go. I wasn't submissive to God. I didn't hear people when, when they came. I didn't hear my wife. I didn't hear my husband. I didn't respond to God. It's the meek person that walks in obedience. And it's the meek person that's blessed. And Bible scholars say that it's not just for the future. It's not just for eternity. It's for here and now. They are the people that have most peace and joy and fulfillment in their Christian walk. And if we do not have peace and joy and fulfillment, we need to come back to this area and say, God, you know, am I running roughshod over people at, at work or in my home or with my friends? Am I grasping? Am I selfish? We need to let it go. and We need to ask God to, to reveal His glory through us. And you'll be amazed when people come and say, wow, you know, I see Christ in you. Really? Really? Let's pray. Our God, our Father, we thank you that Jesus came to model for us what meekness was. And what a magnificent job you did, Lord. 
You were sinless. You were perfect. You were not a doormat. We know that. You just walked through the crowd that wanted to throw you over the cliff. You just walked through them. You overthrew the money tables in righteous anger because they were desecrating the holy place. But Lord, thank you that he didn't demand his rights. And Lord, we thank you that we are your servants. Pray that you'd come and cleanse us. Come and restore us. I pray that the world will see Jesus in us, Lord. They will see the grace of God in us, even though we're not even aware of it, as Moses was not aware of the glory of God upon his life. They will come to us and say, can you pray for me? Can you counsel me? Can you tell me more about Jesus? I see him in your life. I want him. So, Father, help us to, to do that. We, we know that we've all got a long way to go. I've got a long way to go. And thank you for your patience with me. Thank you for your patience with each and every single one of us. And if there's someone here today and you do not know Jesus, why don't you reach out to him and say, Lord, come into my heart. I want to know you, and I want to know this glorious inheritance. In Jesus' name, amen.